All right, guys. Welcome back to the Go Time Podcast. Um, this week, uh, we have Buster Frierson. You know, I took the time this time to um, try something a little bit different and split our uh, podcasts up a little bit. Um, <laughs> our conversations happen to run a little long. And um, and I guess the problem that I have is that I, there's really nothing that I really want to cut out. I don't um, – it's everybody – every conversation we've had with any one of our guests so far, um, you know, I just haven't really had the desire to cut anything out. Um, I, I like having the conversations very genuine and, um, and there's so much, uh, there's, there's actually been a lot of wisdom in, in every one of the conversations. Um, and Buster Frierson's, uh, interview was no different. Um, it was really great to, to hear, uh, a guy from the agriculture community, a, a working cowboy background, um, and his philosophies on life and work and, and what things are important. And, um, and I guess probably the coolest thing is I really like the fact that he is willing to put himself out there and share his lifestyle, share the fun parts, um, but also explain, you know, the hard times, the hard work that comes behind it. And, um, and I really enjoyed getting to talk to him about, um, you know, how we relate that to raising our kids and, um, and, you know, kind of, trying to do somewhat of an influence on uh, younger people nowadays to understand that, you know, it, it looks great on Instagram, but there's a lot of work that comes with it. Um, there's a lot of sweat. There's a lot of uh, sometimes a little bit of blood, sometimes a little bit of tears, but, um, but the lifestyle is so worth it. And there's so much to learn from, from all of it. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy to share this with you, but I also, I went ahead and cut it down some, um, so we'll do this one, and then we'll have a part two uh, in the weeks to follow. So I hope you guys uh, really enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, um, I think me and Brett, we all enjoyed it uh, a whole whole bunch. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to having him back when he's back down. Um, but an inspiring guy in himself, uh, you know, have gone from just being a uh, uh, there's a lot of backstory on him, but there's, you know, being just a, a guy, Joe, that was a lineman on, on working job that he really didn't want, um, and moved into doing what he wanted to do. And now, um, sticking with what he wanted to do and who he wanted to be and being true to that, I became one of the best, um, you know, cowboys of modern time, you know, by, and, and a competing cowboy too. I don't think there's a lot of people that don't realize that, you know, there's a, a working, ranch cowboy association and they have their own competitions their own you know world championships and buster buster is no um he's no stranger to that i mean he's competed for a long time in that and he's um had a lot of success in it and um it's made him a better horseman a better cowboy um and the camaraderie between all those guys in those events is uh is irreplaceable so um i i really hope you guys enjoy this podcast. So here we go. We are also brought to you by our friends over at Rutama Equine Hospital. The vets over at Rutama Equine Hospital have been my vet for over 15 years. They know how to take care of my performance horses and keep them on the road healthy and happy. They also service several of my clients with their reproduction needs. Rutama Equine Hospital over in Shirts, Texas. They know horses. 
All right, folks, before we get started with the Go Time podcast, I had one to make mention of our sponsor. One of our sponsors is Purina Feeds. What your horse eats determines how good he will become. That's why every day more horses eat Purina Feeds than any other brand on the market. As a matter of fact, over a million horses a day eat Purina Feeds. Whether you're feeding a horsepower performance horse, a new foal, a senior who needs a little extra care, or anything in between, there's a Purina feed created to provide optimum nutrition for your animal. Feed that's been carefully researched and field tested before it ever reaches the barn. Purina feeds. Now for the go time. Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. The meeting place of industry leaders, elite athletes, and game-changing individuals from around the world. Here we explore the grit, guts, and mental fortitude required to succeed in business, competition, and life that you've been looking for. So stop looking and start listening. It's Go Time with Brendan O'Reilly and Todd Martin. On today's podcast, we've got Buster Frierson, um, a infamous cowboy, <laughs> internet cowboy. <laughs> infamous. <laughs> I didn't say famous. I yeah, yeah, famous. exactly. Yeah, no, not, not, not famous. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm like, I'm, my kids always like, yeah, I'm famous. I'm infamous. Infamous in my own mind. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, welcome. I'm Thank glad you. to get you here. Um, so what, now that you're, you, you're having coffee, so you're in yeah. town to kind of bring some coffee down or? Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a store open, a Bison Union coffee store open in Bernie up there and kind of, it's been open for about three, four or five months now. I just kind of come down and check it out, and do a little business. And shake things up. Shake things up, kind of stir it up and see what's happening. Yeah. Make sure they're all doing what they're supposed to do. Like, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> you know, I kind of act like. Check anyway, the yeah. taste of yeah, coffee. Exactly. Make sure yeah, so. do the quality control. Quality control, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely a quality control of every coffee place in Bernie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to go around. Make Just sure. make sure they're all keeping up with each other. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Um, have you what? stopped in Boston Union? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the, I like the dogs are a big, uh, yeah. a favorite of mine. Oh, you know, yeah. like the dogs in the store. Yeah, yeah. If anyone hasn't been to Boston Union in uh, Bernie, Texas, yeah. You can go there, get coffee, and you can also pet the dogs that are in the store. Yeah, so. we have free beer, t-shirts. I mean, like, That's slide in smart. there, go in there and hang out, check out, bring your dog, yeah. visit. It's a very cool place. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, yeah, start, yeah gum. Hey, start gum. Lucky we got, lucky we got Buster here to run <laughs> the technical part yeah. of it. Hey, by the way, you're ready. <laughs> your, your microphone. Your microphone's not yeah. on, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, if you don't want to record it, that's hey, cool, we, you know. It's all right. We can have this private conversation. You're right, yeah, right there. Publishing it is like nothing. <laughs> so what I had asked was... What got you into coffee, and and where did that even come from? Like, how did yeah. that happen? Yeah, it's a it's pretty wild story. Like I said, it, it's uh, Bert Coons, who I'm partners with in the Bison Union. He would just retired out of Spec Ops Army. He's on the SIF team, and he'd been in the military Spec Ops for 16, 17 years, and done quite a few tours. And 
he'd retired out of the military. His wife was working at TCU. They moved to Fort Worth and uh, he was kind of going out of his mind trying to figure out, you know, I mean, he just been in the military running spec ops missions for 16, 17 years, you know, wow. and then it's all of a sudden dumped into civilization <laughs> where it's like, what do what are, what are guys like that do now? You know, I mean, mm. you're running straight off adrenaline and being, you know, doing whatever you want to do and you know, saving people's lives and, you know, taking people's lives and doing that deal. And so. And this nowadays society is different than, oh, I mean, yeah. it's so, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to go from military to, you know, civilian life, but no to go from something like that to civilian life and the way civilian life is nowadays. Yeah, no doubt. No probably doubt. A good thing he wouldn't hang out with somebody like you. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't even know him at the time and, uh, he knew a mutual friend of mine and his that he knew there in Fort Worth. And he just all of, out of the blue one day told him, said, Hey, I want to work on a ranch. There's, I've always wanted to work on a ranch or be around cowboys. Huh. Grew up in Kansas. Never was, you know, and kind of grew up on a farm, said he rode dirt bikes and that kind of stuff when he was a kid and been around a few cows and horses, but nothing, you know, I mean, like every little kid probably yeah. been by the granddad's or uncle's farm and petted a horse or maybe rode one when he was five or six. So, Never really been around that, and uh, he just hit he hit the right guy up, and the guy actually worked for Tarrant County Livestock Enforcement, and I had quite a few lease places around Fort Worth, and so huh. my fences were horrible, and I got to know the <laughs> enforcement, the livestock enforcement guys. Me and him were good buds because my cows were always out on the highway. He was always calling me, and uh, so anyways, we we became pretty good friends because of that. And he called me one day and he said, hey, I got a guy that wants to work on a ranch. And being right in the edge of Fort Worth, I had that a lot, you know. And so oh, I was yeah? like, eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> a lot of people want to work on a ranch until they work on a ranch. Yeah. And they're like six hours. They're like, I'm done with that. Yeah. Like, that's bullshit, you know. And so I'm like, well, what is he? And he you know, I was like, give me a little info on him. And he said, I think you'd. And so when he told me he was a retired spec ops guy in Army and I was, it intrigued me. I, I wasn't in the military, but I was always I was always intrigued with the spec ops military, yeah. you know, guys. And so I was like, give him my phone number and tell him to call me. I want to talk to him. And I don't know why, because I'd have probably turned anybody else down, you know, or just said, nah, I'm good, you know. I don't need anybody that doesn't know a clue about ranching to come just out here get and my get way. in my way. Yeah. Exactly. And, but I did. I told him, I said, give me my number and tell him to call me. And he called me that night and we visited on the phone for about 30 or 40 minutes. And if you ever talk to Bert and you're ever around him, you, I mean, he, he stands out. There's a reason those guys are called special operations. Mm -hmm. Those people are special. I mean, yeah, there ain't yeah. no doubt about it. Everybody that serves in the military special, I'm not taking that away from anybody, but the spec ops guys, a different breed. They're a different breed. There's different, they're trained differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're screened differently. They're everything about them. They're special. And uh, so just, Got to talking to him on the phone. I was like, man, this is, I need to visit with this guy in person, you know? And so I told him, I said, come to the ranch. Told him where I was, told him, you know, come to the ranch. And I don't even know what day it was, but whenever. And he showed up that day and it was, I, I won't ever forget it. He, it was raining that day. And so I was sitting on the porch because I knew he was fixing to show up. And he got out of the pickup and he's a little short, stocky, well-built guy. You know, he's five foot. He says he's five foot eight, but I don't think he is. <laughs> Then uh, if he's listening, he'll cuss me. Uh, <laughs> that, no, he's, I mean, he's sure enough, well taken care of, broad shoulders, you know, I mean, yep. sure enough, got, and he's tatted, he's got a t-shirt on, he's sleeved out, both arms, <laughs> and he comes walking up, you know, and we start talking. He hands me his resume, and in his resume, it's in a plastic sheet, it's three pieces of paper front and back. 
he hands it to me and I'm standing there on the porch. I'll never forget. And I kind of looked over the front of it and I was like, I just kind of handed it back to him. I said, man, if you have a resume, you're way too, way too skilled to come work for me. And he was like, what? Like it kind of shocked him, you know, I'm like, man, you don't need to come work for me. If you have a three page front and back resume, you don't need to come work for me. And he was like, no, I, I, I really want to try it. I want to see. And so I was like, all right, come on. I got him in the pickup and we went around the ranch and I told him, I said, here's what we're going to do. This is what your job will be. And, you know, if you want to work, you can work 10 hours a week. You can work a hundred hours a week. I don't care. I'll pay you 10 bucks an hour. I've always got something to do. And some of it sucks. Some of it's fun. Most of it sucks. <laughs> and uh, he was like, okay. He said, when you want me to show up? I said, show up in the morning, bring a pair of leather gloves and a water can and your lunch. If you want to eat lunch and be here at 515 in the morning. And he was like, perfect. He left, came back that morning. He was there like at 4.30. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I walk outside with a cup of coffee, and I'm like, damn, this guy's already, he's waiting on me. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. And so he worked for me off and on for about a year and a half. And one day, he came out of the barn. We'd, we were we were in a barn, and so, like, we'd turn horses loose in the afternoon, catch horses in the morning. What I didn't ride that day, I'd tie out or leave in a water lot or something, you know. And so we are always turning horses loose in the afternoon, calling it a day. Mm-hmm. We walk out, my pickup's parked right there, and we'd kind of go over the next day what we're going to do. Hey, be here at 6 o'clock. We're going to kind of do this, this, and this, or whatever it is. We discussed what was going to happen the next day. And we got done discussing that, and he said, hey, I got a, I got something I want to throw at you. And he'd been there about a year, I guess, and we became good friends. And I mean, we were pretty tight. And uh, I said, what? And he said, I want to start a business. So what business you want to start? And he said, I am t-shirts your big business right now. Like, I think I, I think with the ranch world and the military world, I think we could start a cool deal. And he said, I already got a logo. I already got a brand. I think I got a name for it. And he's like, I'm going to throw it at you and see what you think. And so we sat there and drew it out on the bat of the pickup on my flatbed <laughs> in the dirt. And uh, he drew the logo out, which is the American flag with the buffalo and uh, or the bison. If you want to get real technical, people kind of get mad if you call them buffaloes, but they're they're bison in North America and buffalo in South America. So everybody got to, anyways. Make yeah, make everybody happy. But, uh, you know, he said, I want I don't know if you brand the buffalo or brand bison or not, but he's like, I think the brand, he's like, I'd like to brand the bison like you do the cows. And I'm like, man, it's your bison. You can brand him if you want to, you know? So. <laughs> He's like, but I wouldn't, I don't know what the brand would be. And I was like, well, he's got a tattoo of special forces insignia on the forearm of his, on one of his forearms. And I'm like, heck, that crossed arrows is a pretty cool brand, you know? And he's like, really? And so we came up with that logo. He came up with that logo, which was the American flag with a bison with the crossed arrow special forces brand on the left hip. And uh, it just kind of stuck and was like, heck yeah, we're going to do that. And we made one t-shirt with that logo on the front and we actually started the company as peacemaker union peacemaker Mm -hmm. and uh he uh we had to change the name because of another company he was running with that name but anyways it started as peacemaker trading company and uh we started with one t-shirt we made 200 of them and we didn't have any idea like neither one of us had a clue about how to, we just found a t-shirt guy and said hey we want this many of this style and put this on it you know and he's like okay and uh bird had a pretty big following on social media i did not at that time i didn't i mean i, I had facebook but it was just kind of keep up with my kinfolk and friends around mm-hmm. you know and that was six years ago and so i was like 
Hey, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, I don't care. You know, I'll help you to try to do whatever. I'll help do whatever I can. And so he kind of teased it around on social media, on his social media, that we were starting this company and it was going to combine the military and the agricultural farming, ranching world, cowboy world. And it kind of started, you know, getting a little talk about it. And, you know, people were talking, hey, when are you going to drop them T-shirts? When are you going to drop the T-shirts? And he dropped them like on a Wednesday morning at 2.30 a.m. I mean, just like out of the blue. And he told everybody, once we sell out of those T-shirts, we're done. We're not going to make them. They're a limited run. We won't make that T-shirt ever again. And so people wanted them, you know. He kind of made it where he teased them where everybody wanted one of the T-shirts. And he dropped them like, say, 2.30 on a Wednesday morning. And 200 t-shirts sold out in like 32 minutes wow. on Facebook and Instagram. Really? Man. I was like, wow. He came back to work that next morning. And I'm like, well, how'd they do? I knew he was going to drop them, you know. And he's like, dude, they sold out in like 30 minutes. I'm like, get the, get out of here. <laughs> he's like, no, really, they did. It's like, I think we need to make another t-shirt. <laughs> and, of course, we paid, you know, way too much for those first t-shirts because we didn't know nothing about yeah. it, you know. And so, but... So we made another T-shirt. We made 300 of the next run of T-shirts, and we sold them in like 26 minutes on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. And so we're like, he's like, man, what are you? I was like, I think we got something, you know. I mean, we got a following. We've already got a following. So, And it just kind of whirlwinded into what it is today. And uh, he got called to come help B Black Rifle, which is M Matt and Evan. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, they were already kind of friends. They were kind of seeing what Bison Union Peacemaker was doing at that time. And so they were like, hey, come out to Utah. You can help us. We'll help you. And so that's kind of how we got into the coffee game was through those guys. Huh. And uh, it just kind of, it's, it's evolved into, we have a coffee shop in Bernie now. We have a, you know, a storefront and a coffee shop in Sheridan, Wyoming, where Bert lives. And it's a, uh, if you would ask me six years ago, if I'd have bet you a million dollars that I didn't have, that I would never ever own a coffee company or even yeah. be associated like, with one. Like, yeah. yeah, why? I mean, I drink coffee all the time, but I, I didn't. I never dreamed it, you know. And like yeah. I say, it changed. Bert coming to work for me changed my life, and I and he'll tell you the same. It, it changed and saved his life, you know. I mean, it's. Uh, hmm. He needed something like that, and I need. I guess I needed something like that. And like I say, I didn't have. I had Facebook, but I didn't even have any kind of. Instagram. I didn't even know what Instagram was, to be Man, honest with you. That's crazy. What's that? Six years. Six ago? Six years ago, yeah. And Man, he, he kept in the in the pickup. He kept saying, "Hey, you need to get on Instagram." And he, I was like, "I don't need that shit. I don't need that. I don't need that." You know. So after about six weeks of him warning me about, "Hey, you don't are you on Instagram yet?" I'm like, "No, I'm not on Instagram." You know, I mean, <laughs> we're arguing like brothers. You know, I'm like, "I don't need on there. I don't need you do all that. I don't need on there." So one day we're driving down the road, going to build some fence. And he was like, Hey, did you get on Instagram? Did you see that deal I did on Instagram? I'm like, no, I'm not on Instagram. And he was like, man, I'm telling you, you got to get on there. And so I handed him my phone and I'm like, do it. I just handed it across the pickup to him. And so he set my Instagram account up and was like, man, I'm telling you, every time I post a picture of the ranch or you or any of the cowboys that work here, he's like, people eat it up. They want to see it. They don't even know you people exist. You know, it's like, they want to see it. And so within, you know, like saying now, I think I've got I don't know, 32, 3,000 followers That's on wild, Instagram, man. you know, and it's like, it's, it changed my life. I mean, it really did. I'm sitting here because of that. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking to Brendan yeah. because of that, you know I mean? It's completely changed my life. And so some of it, you know, all of it for the better in my eyes, you know, and I'm out on my own now. I don't work for that ranch anymore. I got enough cows put together. I kind of do my own deal and went to work for myself and, it's a, it's been a pretty cool roller coaster ride, and we'll yeah. just see where it goes, you know. And like opportunities, like when you guys called and said, "Hey, you want to do a podcast?" I'm like, "Heck yeah!" 
You bet. So yeah, that's it, awesome. It, it, it tied all together. It leads know, into like, a crazy deal, right? It does. Like, it I mean, it is. I, I think the crazy part about it is you just have to be open mm-hmm. to no it, doubt. right? Yeah. You can't yeah. be, you know, too shut off or closed off to yeah. what what opportunities might yeah. be out there. Yeah, you know, and it's like people ask me, so what have you learned from it? But I guess the number one thing that I throw out there to people, young people or even old people, you know, never, ever dismiss meeting somebody, mm-hmm. an opportunity to mm-hmm. shake somebody's hand because it's not what they can do for you. I mean, not in a money or monetary or it's it's what they can do for you i mean it's who they can introduce you to there's yeah. no telling what route you might go or what road you might take and they might show you a different path you know that you yeah. never even knew was there and it, it's amazing what people who people are and what they are and what they know and where they can go and it's always that's how you say be open to opportunities Man. and when they present themselves be willing to walk through the door when they're open you know most people are so scared to change because they're so set in a certain way. You know, I'm a cowboy. I've, I've cowboyed for the last 20 years. And I catch heck from my cowboy friends because they're our old school, you know. They're mm-hmm. like, ah, that bullshit, that Instagram, yeah. But it's open opportunities for me to better myself and my family. Yeah. And, you know, and I, people and around. Industry too. Yeah, and, and the industry, industry too. you know. And it brings, it brings that to the forefront, you know. Yeah. I mean, I people. Know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I think is really important nowadays is... Now, we've talked about this before just in our own talk, right? In yeah. our own BS between me and Brendan and stuff. Is that, you know, there's, I think there's really such a big social change right now going on in our country. And I think a big problem with it is the lack of knowledge or the gap between people who live that far away from their food source. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something about living close to your food source, being close to, you know, your livestock, whether it's farming or ranching or whatever it is. And you, you know, like this situation we got into this last year, right. Yeah. Of, you know, and it's, and it's, it was scary. There's parts of it. It was like, Holy crap. You know, like, is it, it might be for real. It was a yeah. really scary movie that just came to life. You know, that all yeah. of a sudden we're all going to, you know, get infected with something that's going to make us all, you know, die tomorrow. Yeah. And um, and the rural America handled it completely different, right? I mean, and and I guess part of it, one, which is kind of funny, is that people go, well, you know, you uneducated rednecks living out there in the woods and stuff. Well, no, we've been vaccinating. We understand vaccination. We understand quarantine a lot better than any of you guys yeah, do. No I mean, I, mean, I don't know, have to go to the grocery store no, to get my meat. No, I don't. no. And herd immunity, well, I mean, I think it's kind of like coined in our mm-hmm. industry yeah, of what no herd immunity is, you right? You but a better understanding of all that kind of stuff. And we see, like, life and death on, on a pretty regular, regular, basis, regular basis, right? I mean, it's not something that we don't deal with. It's not something that we hide from. And, you know, when you live that far away from your food source, you don't have to deal with death. Right. You know, it's something that, you know, you go to a funeral home because the neighbor, you know, passed away and, and it's all pretty and shiny and, you know, fancied up, mm-hmm. nice soft music and all. And that's not what death is about. No. I mean, there's a reality to death that you have to deal with, no and it ain't pretty. Not right? at all. And there's a nasty smell to it, yeah. and you know, there's all of that, and you just don't see that in town or the further away you live. And I think the coolest thing is that you've got an opportunity to share with people, and there is such an intrigue with it with people that live that far away from it. 
and don't even know that that stuff exists anymore, that lifestyle exists. Right. But to give a reality check to what it really is, it's not like we're running around out here and, you know, don't know what we're doing. <laughs> that it's a bunch of, like, some of the smartest people I've ever met were farmers and ranchers. Yeah, men, yeah, men, that, men that, um, I've heard you say it before, that when you're ranching, it's not just, you know, pushing cows like majority of the time you're you're welding you're yeah, fixing yeah. a fence you're you know you got to be part-time electrician you got to be part-time welder you got to be you know woodworking mechanic you know farmer cow man tractor yeah. and all kinds of stuff yeah no doubt um, that's why all of our <laughs> trucks and tractors and stuff are held together by duct tape yeah, and everything else. You, got time. Yeah, exactly. you got time to fix it right yeah exactly. just rig it yeah you know? no doubt um but i think that's something that that lends a, an opportunity with being on something like social media that, you know, you get to have a little bit of a say so or input, or at least get somebody to be able to see what that person looks like, what life looks like. And, right. and it is a lot more attractive than they think it is. You bet. No, I totally agree. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where, like you say, people don't realize that we're even out here doing what we're doing yeah. to benefit society. You know mm -hmm. I mean? There's the, or People. that the lifestyle exists still. Yeah, right. Exactly. That you know, yeah. there's. It's not just on you know vacation. You go out to you know yeah. the dude ranch. Some dude ranch. You get to go ride a horse for yeah. two hours. You know, yeah. or get to go look at a cow or do it. You know, I mean, get out in, yeah. in Mother Nature, and and it is. You know, I mean, it's just like a couple of weeks ago. I've been in Arizona for three weeks helping some guys out there. You know, I mean, it's three o'clock every morning till dark every night. You know, yeah. I mean, it ain't no joke. Like it's, mm. and the people are like, damn, why? Don't, I mean. Why would you do that? Well, it is a lifestyle. It's something that yeah, you yeah. love to do. It's something that you want to do. It's something, it's where you want to be. And that you, know, you don't even know that you should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's, Why and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I might be braggadocious here, but it's like, I always feel like it doesn't matter what's thrown at me. I can go do whatever. If I need to do something, if I need to go drive a dozer, if I need to go drive, you know, a sh boat, if somebody shows me how to do it one time, I mean, that's, you have to figure out how to do stuff pretty quick in our world. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you're you not going to make it. And, uh -huh. you know, I mean, I'm not a great tech guy. I'm not a great computer guy, but I can still type, you know. I mean, it's not like I'm an idiot, you know. I'm so dumb that I don't know how to type. I mean, I can type and, and go do whatever I need to do, you know, whether it be if I need to go to work in a mechanic shop, I can go to work in a mechanic shop. Yeah. If I need to go build fence for a living, I can go build fence for a living, build barns for a living, run a dozer. I mean, I can pretty much do anything that I need to do to survive, whatever yeah. it may be. I've, I've said that, but you know, there's been times we've, you know, my wife, you know, we get to a point where, you know, you're working, you're doing, and we're trying to do it all off of just training horses. And that's all I've done for the past 25 years, right. train horses for a living. And you kind of get to a point where sometimes you go like, man, what happens if the industry or something changes? Like, how are we going to, what's going to, how are we going to make it? And, you know, what are you going to do? And I always tell my wife, it's like, man, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things I can do. But it ain't gonna be hard. I nah. just got there's a, one thing that I've got to do. I just got to show up and do what I yeah. say I'm gonna do. That's I'll it. Take care of it. You That's know, it. if it's construction, I'll figure it out yeah, and I'll yeah. do construction. If it means I got to be a welder for a while, I'll build yeah. fence for a while. Yeah. All I got to do is show up. That's it. You know, I I beat half the beat half the competition out there by just showing just up. Just showing up, and being yeah. willing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. willing to do it. You, you know? know, it's like a, it. it's like a guy said the other day. We did a little deal for American Hats. And they had a guy come in and he said, it, it's not that you got to, it's that you get to. Yeah. You know, that that's made true. that says something in me. I'm like, man, it's, I don't got a cowboy for mm. a living. I get to cowboy for a living. Yeah. 
You know, it's just like if I was working at, at the Texas Highway Department. I don't got to go drive a dump truck. I get to. Yeah. You know, and that and that in people's minds nowadays is kind of gone, you know. I mean, yeah. it's like, oh, I got to go to work. Oh, I got to go do this. Oh, I yeah. got to go do this. No, man, you get to. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you get to go do that. I get to come down here and hang out with you guys. I ain't got to. Yeah. You get to. And, you know, if you think about that in life, that's pretty damn, it's pretty eye-opening. Like, man. And I've said it too, like, oh shit, I gotta go over here and go vaccinate or go process a thousand head of yearlings today. No, nah, hell, I get to. A lot of people don't get to. No, yeah. they never get the opportunity. They never see it. They never even know what it's like. Yeah, you know, it's just like you're training horses, just like you building saddles. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like hell, I get to do that. I don't got to. I mean, yeah, I can yeah. go work at a McDonald's. Yep. You know, if I really want to, yeah. I can put my application in and sling Big Macs. I mean, because I can. Yeah. Yeah. But, yep. you know, I get to Cowboy. And, and I've done it long enough now that it's like, that's what I want to do. That's my life. That's what yeah. I enjoy. That's what I enjoy doing, you know. I mean, so I get to. Hell, I wake up every morning going, I wonder what I get to do today. That's yeah. it. Not what I got to do today. It's wondering what I get to do today, yeah. you know. And it's kind of like old Boots O'Neill said. Now that he's been cowboying for the sixes for seventy years, yeah. I know. I, <laughs> like, I think he's eighty something years old, but he still gets horseback every day. Oh, and works for the sixes, and yeah. he still gets excited. He said the other day in an interview, I heard him say, "Man, I I, I just <coughs> hope to tonight hurry up and get through so I get to go do what you know, see what we get to do tomorrow." Yeah. And he's eighty years old, been punching yeah. cows his whole life. You know, since he was probably fourteen, he's probably had a full time job as yeah. a cowboy, yeah. and he's still excited about getting to get up and go see what they get to do today and that's that's where i want to be when i'm 80 yeah. years old you know, you know i still want to be excited about what i get to do not yeah. what i gotta do and it, you know and the, i think the thing that's that like i want to try and figure out right is how do i instill that with my kids right. like how do i i want to get my kids to have that same you know it's 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 people call it work right but it ain't really working. I just figured out how to make money at what I like doing. There you go. Right? And it really wasn't how much I made, just as long as I made enough. Just to cover the bills, just yeah. to get by, just to put something in your man, mouth when, when I you started, need it. Yeah. yeah, when I started training horses, man, all I if I could afford a truck at some point, I was going to be hitting it big. Oh, yeah, you know That's it. all I cared yeah. about. And I'd ride anything for money. Right. You send me a donkey, whatever, it didn't matter. I'd, yeah. I'd ride it. If you want to pay me to ride it, I'd ride it like oh, I'm crazy, dude. Yeah, yeah you yeah. bet. And then it just got grew into like I had no idea. You know, I just kept going and kept going. It's like I want to learn more and want to learn more and want to learn more. And that's it. Yeah. Just you know, swallowed me up and got me to where I was like, man, it was never ending. I, I think the first, the first twelve years of no, maybe longer than that. First twelve years of my marriage with my we've been married over twenty. Ooh, I better this is gonna be recorded. Yeah, um, we've been married for over that. yeah it's over twenty years. Yeah, there that, you go. Sure, good right? good save, broad good range save. over it. But for the first, at least the first twelve to fifteen years, we didn't we didn't go on longer. I think we had a three day vacation that yeah. I took once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took her out and winded her down for three yeah. days. Uh -huh. out of fifteen years, that was it. You know. Yeah. We but it wasn't, I mean, we were on the road all the time. You'd go and haul off to a horse show. You'd be gone for two weeks. You'd come back. Well, you had to keep riding on the next day. You didn't take go. a day off. You weren't yeah. here the other days. And yeah, exactly. jump back at it and get everything caught back up. But it was, it was the same thing. It's just a lifestyle, you know. And 
And he'd wait. It was like, oh, I got to go ride a horse. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back out there. But it's like, I really want to figure how to instill that with my kids, right? right? I want, I don't want to lose that. I don't want them. And then maybe it is going to be that they get to work on a computer. Cool. Yeah. It ain't going to be help for me because right. I don't even know what. Right. You know, but well, it might be what they enjoy. It might be how they, is, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sure might be. And it's kind of, I think them watching you enjoy what you do and living your life the way you live. I think that instills it in them just by being around them, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just like kind of training dogs, you know, I mean, it's like you have a good dog and you put them pups with them. They're eventually, yeah. they either going to or they're not going to. And most of them follow that lead dog and they yeah. go, they learn they learn how to get around a set of cows or they learn how to push sheep or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And they do learn from that older dog. That older dog teaches them. They don't have to necessarily tell them what they're doing. Mm. They just follow along in the same tracks and like, oh, hell, this is fun. Okay, I got you. I'm with you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm figuring out yeah. what you're doing. And, you know, they turn around and they're three-year-old and it's like, damn, that pup made a hell of a good dog, yeah. you know I mean? Yeah. He's doing he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I think that's the same way with kids or youngsters or young people, you know I mean? I, I think if they are around the right people in the right setting, they will follow. I mean, it's just a, yeah. it's what well, you say, go back to that herd instinct. I yeah. mean, they're, 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 we're a herd animal. There's no doubt about it. Well, and I think that's like good leadership too. Yeah. Good leadership is always led from the front and by an example. Right. Right. No doubt. I mean, I, my dad used to always say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Right on. You know? Yeah. No doubt. I like, that's not what I want to hear. Somebody telling me how to live. I want yeah. to see somebody. What let does me it look, see it. Yeah. yeah, what does it look like? Yeah, that's that's all great and fine, but what does it look like, yeah. you know? That's in so theory. True yeah. for everyone, not just kids. Hey, like yeah. the people that you, like like Buster was saying, getting the pups around the good dogs. I think that, I do that myself. Like if I'm, if you're ever feeling a bit, it, it, things that just aren't lining up, I think, who am I, who am I being around? Right. You know, because uh, you can only fit so many people into your circle. And if, if you're not, putting winners around you and, you and it doesn't have to be winners in a sense of they got a ton of material stuff it's that mindset of i will be successful at what i'm passionate about no know? doubt and, i totally and, uh, agree. if like, when i focus on putting those people around me the world changes yeah you know? and well, so like how did you get into speaking of herds so how did you get how did you meet up and get in the herd of Dale Brisby and those guys. <laughs> Man, I don't even know, to be honest with you. Let's, uh, so, like, DB, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'd seen DB's, right when he kind of started, I'd seen a little bit of his stuff here and there, you know, on yeah. social media and Facebook and YouTube, I guess. And I didn't really, I mean, I, yeah, he was funny. I was yeah, like, yeah. who is this guy? <laughs> and he's funny. He's got a cool little gag gig, you know, whatever he's doing. That first one that I saw was the one where he's like, well, the old rancher going oh, around yeah, the yeah. yank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's always funnier. It's always funnier when you know that person. And we all know that old rancher. We all know yeah, that oh, yeah. guy. We all yeah. know that guy. He was He's being, you know, we all know a DB. We all know a super puncher. We all know the greatest oh, bull rider. Right. We all Too know that. Yeah, you know, we all know that guy. So it's funnier when you actually know that guy. Yeah. But uh, at the time, my, <laughs> the funny story about it is, is at the time, my girlfriend, she'd went to a Western wear store and was doing something, I don't know, buying some clothes or whatnot. Well, she come home and she had a Dale Brisby t-shirt on and it had his face on it. And I'd kind of seen a couple of YouTube videos. And so I knew who he was, but I knew she didn't know who he was, you know. And so she wore it wearing this shirt one day. And I'm like, where did you get that shirt at? 
she was like, oh, they gave it to me down there at the Western Wear store. And hint word, gave, gave her the T-shirt because they had some. And I always kid DB about it. I'm like, yeah, they gave your stuff away, <laughs> which pretty good idea. Yeah. I guess, you know, get everybody wearing it and everybody wants one. Yep. Down the same way as you limited edition run T-shirts. Hey, yeah. we're not going to make these anymore. Yeah. So you better get yours while they yep. last. Yep. I mean, that's a typical sales buddy's going to have yeah, it, not exactly. you. And so we're at Houston at the Ranch Rodeo. And uh, I'm talking to a buddy of mine. I've got a couple of buddies of mine. And I don't even know. Dale, Dale comes walking down the alley at Houston. And he's got his mud boots on. He's got his vest on with no shirt on. Got the long hair. Got his shades on. Got his ball cap on. He comes. I'm like, there's that damn Dale Brisby. Like, here he comes right down here. And this buddy of mine knows him. And knows him on a personal level, you know. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Dale. And I'm like, no, nah, I never, no, nah, I've been seeing his stuff around, you know. And he's walking down the alley between the horses, you know, between the stalls, and we're standing there BSing, waiting for the rodeo to start, you know. And I'm like, watch this when he gets here. And at that time, I had a goatee that hung down about, I don't know, middle of my <laughs> throat, you know. And I mean, I, I looked pretty gnarly at the time. And uh, he comes walking up, and I'll never forget it. He gets about ten foot from me, and I said, hey. Del Brisby, and he looks up kind of at me, and this buddy of mine that he knows is standing there too, and he's like, hey, what's up? He's Del Brisby fan, you know, I mean, he's doing this Del Brisby deal. I'm like, let me tell you something. And I mean, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm like, let me tell you something. Next time my girlfriend shows up with your face on her tits, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> what? And I was like, and I kind of started smiling, you know, and he's like, he, he scared him to death. Like, he didn't know whether I was serious, and he had no idea what I was talking about, you know. And he was like, excuse me? And I'm like, my girlfriend showed up with one of your shirts on and had your had your face on it, and it was all over her tits. And he was like, oh, man. Oh, man, don't do that to me. And I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'm going to introduce myself, you know, and that's how I never miss an opportunity to shake somebody's hand and see where it takes you. Uh, yeah. And that was the whole deal right there. I shook his hand, introduced myself, and just kind of laughed about it, you know. And so we got to kind of know each other like that, you know, just because I took the opportunity to step out there and say, hey, you know, here I am. And anyways, we've become good friends, you know, and he, I go help him some here and there. And we've done a lot of stuff together since then. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I got in the – db crew i guess in the crew yeah in the crew (laughs) you know the funny thing about that is like i find that whole deal uh, just an absolute hoot and the reason why is because like it's all of that's all my friends right Right. all the different ones i know all of them from different but the the biggest you know there's a lot there's a lot of struggle in what we do for a living, right? Right. And I'm this, I'm this, I'm the tightest with, with a lot of go, guys that I trained horses with from the very beginning. Where we're all struggling and we're all trying to beat each other you and bet. get where we're at and stuff. And as you're coming up and going through it, you remember the struggles or you know whatever. But um, but it was always that you know laugh joke in between right. the you know how we you know how we handled it all was you a bet. joke around and laugh. And um and I. I I think that's kind of crazy now that people don't see that either. But yeah. but this is kind of a fun deal where it's you do get to see the joking and everybody's joking with each other. Nobody's getting sore and upset no, exactly. and whatever else, unless you're the butt of the joke for right. the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but you see that too, that you know, in that struggle, you know, that humor is like a great place to be able to let it out and be you able bet. to share that with, you know, like that's a that's a great tool. Well, we all had right. to come from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, Brendan's a fighter. Yeah. I mean, Hennis didn't wake up one day and 
become a UFC fighter like, hey, I'm going to walk in the ring yeah. and I'm going to be a badass UFC fighter. He didn't do that. He had to work his ass off to get to where yeah. he is, you know. Mm. Same way with you as a horse trainer. Yeah. You didn't. That first horse you rode probably sucked no. compared to the ones you ride now. No. And it's the same way with me, you know. I mean, damn, I, you know how many cows I've run through gates and fences and how many horses I've messed up because right. I didn't have an idea what I was doing, but I just kept grinding at it, kept yeah. grinding at it. And it's like I've got a 21-year-old horse that I bought as a six-month-old weanling. Wow. And I still have him today, Ranger Rides. As a matter of fact, I rode him at the Windy Ryan this last weekend in a double mugging. Really? He's 21 years old. And uh, he's not the best horse I've ever owned. He's not the best horse I've ever rode. But it's it, it's crazy for me. I sit back and look and see how much better my horses have gotten talent-wise and trainable because I messed him up and all them other ones up in between the yeah. ones that I ride now, you know. And so he's a good horse. Go do anything in the world. He's not fine-tuned. You can't spin a hole in the ground. He can't run, slide 20 foot, but he'll whack a cow. He'll run rope, and he'll do all that stuff. Them horses I ride now can do all that plus some. Yeah. And it's amazing how much you learn from those individuals that you're around and that you mm -hmm. train and that you, you hang out with, just like you were saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've got a string of horses now that are young horses. They're better, probably the best string of gildings. And I say that about four or five ever, four or five years. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I got the best string of Gildan's young horses I've ever had. I got five really good young horses. You know, five years ago, I was saying that about the ones I just sold. Yeah, you know, they're all it. eight, nine-year-olds. It's like, I just got rid of them, you know. And it's like, man, I had the best set of horses right then. It's like, then you look up and you, the quality of your work gets better. Yeah. The trainability gets better. The the way you pick people, the way you pick horses get better. You know, you know what you are, how you train. Mm -hmm. And if they fit your style or they don't fit your style. And so if they don't, it's like I tell everybody now, it's like, I find out pretty quick if they fit my style. Mm -hmm. And I'll take a loss on them to get rid of them because I know they're not going to fit my deal. They're not going to go to where I need them to go. So I get rid of them and I'm like, you know what? I made a mistake. I need to get rid of that. Yeah. And it's just like people. Mm -hmm. You know, you hang around oh, those people. It's just it's like, like, man, they don't fit my style. I'm going to have to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. I need to get I need yeah. to get out of this deal. I need to disinvest in this and try to invest in somebody that does fit my style. Yeah. I'll take and, my loss now. Yeah, I'll take my loss now. Later. And I, I, yeah. I'm, you know, it's like I teach my son. I'm like, you know, you can do anything in this world you want. It doesn't matter. You can do good or you can do bad, but you better accept the consequences when it comes right down to it. <laughs> they can be good and they can be bad. I mean, you choose whichever oh, you way you want to be. Understanding that there's a consequence. You bet. I mean, that's that's big. You bet. You know, there's a consequence to pay. Yeah. And that's where it's not that I think this, you know, something in the horse industry is that understanding when to cut your losses is a really important part. You know, and there are losses in it. There's yeah. always losses. Yeah, no in doubt. It. But no you got to learn when to like turn loose of that one. Yeah, it's like, okay, and, this ain't working. No, it, and it ain't going to get any better. It ain't going to get no better. Because I drowned myself with the last one. I learned some really bad consequences exactly. off of that one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people are the same way. Horses are the same way. Mm -hmm. Cattle are the same way. I mean, it's just like going and buying that bull. You just pay 10000 for him, and then the sunbuck jumps the fence and goes to the neighbors. <laughs> and it's like, where'd he go? You know, it's like, and every time you go get him, he does, he tears the pins up. Or every yeah. time you go get him, he hooks your horse and cripples him. Or every time he gets you, you know, he gets the neighbor guy. It's like, okay, it's time to cut the loss. I'm going to take him to the sale barn and go get me one that fits my operation. And I think people are the same way, you know, yeah. it's like, it, it, and it's hard for people to realize that because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings yeah. or they don't want to, 
they don't want to cut ties with somebody because it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know. That, like, that's that's a valuable lesson. It's very true. Well, you know? and sometimes like, that's that is like it's a favor for them too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I ain't doing you any good by yeah. hanging on to no, you longer that. than I need you, keeping you from going to where you should be going. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just outgrow. You just outgrow them. You outgrow those style of horses. You outgrow those people. You outgrow whatever you're doing, and you gotta go. You know, you gotta go down this other path to make you and yourself and your people better. You know, mm. so it's like. So I wonder, like, I've got, there was, there was a time, like one of the things that I, I think was, I don't know if it was necessarily a, a, <clears throat> necessarily a certain con uh, conscious decision. I mean, it kind of was, but that made a big difference for me as a horse trainer, right? I'd gone and, and I had spent time, I've spent time over many years going and learning from much, much better trainers than me, you right? And, and that definitely helped. But one things that, that happened to me, um, earlier on in my career and I got a client that had some money to go and buy a, a really nice one to go and show and stuff. I made the effort to go and buy a, a derby horse, one that had been further, much further along instead of buying a, a really good young prospect. Um, I spent the money to go and buy as much as I could on a, from a horse that was trained from a really good trainer. Right. And it wasn't his top. It was kind of like kicked off from him because it just didn't quite fit completely but it had been all the way through his program yeah. and the whole deal and i learned more from that horse right and and not just like what a great one was but also what not to pick in the next one right. and and then what not to do you know and mess up in the next one and yeah. and then ended up with one that was a little less talented than that one and i won 10 times more on it because of his consistency, his ability to help me in the pen, it was like incredible how much, and I was just curious, like whenever you're, when you're cowboying, right, and you're getting, you're getting these better and better ones, and you're like, you're, get, you're getting better at your craft, right, but how much of it, whenever you get that one that has just more cow than you ever thought, Right? Did you did it like make you like? Oh my God! This makes my job so much easier. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and it's you would be you would be a fool to not admit that if you're if you're in the animal whatever it is, dogs, horses. Yeah. I mean, if you're an animal user, trainer, rider, you know, grower, whatever you want to be, you know. I mean, it. Yeah, no doubt. You know, there was there's and I can go back to I can go back to every one of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I go back to every one of them, and it's still there's what is that old saying there's been more great horses make good trainers and good trainers or great yeah. trainers make good horses yeah and that's the truth you know i mean uh, I, i'll never forget i bought a colt a two-year-old off of slate river it was a pepto boons mall a horse bred by own son of pepto boons mall out of a uh oh i said i remember now i can't remember what the mare was but a really good cutting bred mare and uh started him he was started he had about 30 rides on him johnny mitchell was work. He, he was at Slate River at that time too. He's still, but he's back over there now. But Johnny called me and said, "Hey, this colt's gonna be too big. He's not gonna make." He said, "But he'd make a ranch horse." And Johnny and I were friends, so I went over and rode him. And I was like, "Yeah, man, that's a heck yeah, that's a cool that's two year old. One yeah. of the best two year olds I've ever been on. You know, he's already started and open circles and stop and turn around. I'm like heck yeah, they had about thirty rides on him. And I'm like, yeah, paid more for him than I ever paid in two year old in my life. You know, paid five thousand for him. And at that time, that was." 
probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm like, golly. But I had a little bit of money, and I had a guy that backed me, and he was like, hey, find a good two-year-old, let's, let's partner on him. And I'm like, all right. I took that horse, rode him till he was eight, won a lot of money on him in the ranch rodeo scene and the double muggins, you know, and the amateur rodeos and stuff. And was just, he was one of those horses that you showed him something and he figured it out and he did it better than what you could show him how to do it, you yeah. know? And so you get to that spot where it's like, man, okay, this is a cool horse. This is what a horse is supposed to feel like. Yeah. So then you start out with that feel, you know, you go back to that feel like, okay, this is what, nope, he don't feel like, and I called him Grizz. He don't feel like Grizz. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. you know, I want one to feel like Grizz. And then I bought a, I buy a horse off of uh, David McDavid and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, buy a colt off of him, a three-year-old off of him and uh, ride him for seven or eight years, you know, and I, well, I sold Grizz at San Antonio. He was the top selling horse at San Antonio in the Ranch Horse Guild and sell down there one year. And then, so I buy a colt off of David McDavid, same way when I rode him, I was like, whoa, whoa, this horse feels like Grizz did when he was like four and he was a three-year-old, you know, yeah. and so I'm like, well, I can do something with this. And I immediately knew it, same deal, you know, I was like, I'm buying this horse. Did who was who had rode the one that David McDavid? Um, did Deary Gonzalez. Oh yeah, 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 ah. yeah. Gary Gary had started him and trained him ah, okay. until it, and he got he wouldn't stay sound in the cutting pen. Ah. He'd just drag his ass run across there, and I mean just bury up, lay down on his belly, but he wouldn't stay sound. The suspensory's always stayed sore, and Gary ah. was like, he just won't work for us, you know. Yeah. It's like time to cut our losses. He's not going to work for us when he's selling. So I took him, never been crippled. I mean, he never got crippled again. Of course, I just bunch of cows on him and rodeoed on him and yeah. did a deal, you know. Got me a lot of accolades at some ranch rodeos, you know, and everybody everybody wanted to know, where, where's D-Mac? Where's D-Mac? That's what I called him, was D-Mac. Where's D-Mac? Where's D-Mac? I finally sold him to some people, you know, and he was like eight or nine. And I'm like, I sold him. It's time to do start over, you know. And so there's those horses that, yeah, it's that make you understand what you're looking for yeah. and it's like okay let's start with that now with the way you end with them let's start with a new one that that feel and then and you can just improve improve and improve that's something improve. that you can't like i think that's one thing that that when i'm trying to share with somebody what they ask what do you, so what do you look for you look for well i can look you know i look for this or i look for that or you know, I wanted, you know, the whole deal when I was, you know, starting was like a oh, short bag, short can of bone. And like, well, in relationship to what? I'm like, we buying yeah. short can of bone jumpers or, yeah, exactly. you know, what? You got to see a lot of horses before you know how short is short and how yeah, long right. is long, right? Exactly. And, um, and I remember going um, and, 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 and thinking later on, it's like, it was just a feel. I don't even it's know feel. how to tell you, but there's a, there's a willingness there's a there's a willingness and everything becomes so much easier. No and you doubt. go like my life can be. I can start working on other things. You, you know, bet. I can get past it. Um, I think that's something that's really kind of funny in the horse industry, or not just the horse industry, the the trainer part, right? Yeah. Is um, outside of just reining horses, but you go to the general public or working, you know, horse people is um, a lot of the information outside of a working cowboy about how to train or what we're going to do um, is taught by a lot of clinicians, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm saying this and I'm, I'm, I do, I'm leaving tomorrow to go <laughs> or Thursday to go do <laughs> clinics up in North Dakota and teach, you know, but I'm going to, um, but, and so I was, I was part of that at one point. Right. But um, the, a lot of the clinics were taught by uh, really good and, and all rights and purposes for what they knew they were really good horsemen yeah. at 
um, at, and most all of them were great two-year-old cold starters. Right. But their extent of their knowledge or the, the what they thought was the finished work was the finished at a two-year-old two cold starter, right. right? And so everything was bent and flexed and soft and round. And, you know, and you next thing you know, they got a bunch of horses that you know, could put their chin to their chest and run off with you, yeah. but they couldn't straighten their body up to pull a steer yeah. or couldn't, you know, couldn't use themselves in a, in a fashion that made sense. And so we thought that the end product was the beginning, but the beginning wasn't, it was just the beginning. Right. And so if something was wrong, well, let's bring them back to a snapple bit. And I've always said before, I've said it a couple of times, it's like watching a, a, a you know, eight year old going around in a snapple bit. It's like watching your 15 year old son with a pacifier in his mouth. Yeah, it's just exactly. kind of offensive. No doubt. It right? is. And yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I'm the yeah. same way. You know I mean? It's a, it's funny that you say that. There's a lot of good two-year-old guys. Yeah. But that's all they know. Yeah. They never finished one. No, and they, it's and, and and you see that in their work too. You bet. Right? Yeah. You I mean, bet. they're doing really well, and as far as the business-wise and everything else, but I like to see that finished work go you out bet. and and go whack a cow in a competition or go you know go you be using one. That that's where I think you know having that finished horse or the horse that was further along or that was you know had a whole lot more finished work and education than me actually really helped me as a as to be oh, a horseman no right no to doubt. be able to like all those times beating my head against you know like trying to take that two-year-old and bend it for like the three-year-old and just get him super soft and whatever else and it would undo what i was wanting to do in the end of, right. of things um that was that was a big learning curve for me I and just I, wanted, I think that needs to be like in Somebody teaching somebody, I think they need to let them ride that good horse. Let them ride that oh. great horse and say, look, just get on this sumbuck and ride him for today. Mm. You'll feel what I'm talking about. You'll understand what you need to try to get to with your horse, you know. Not yeah. necessarily my horse the best horse, your horse the best horse, Brendan's horse the best horse. But it's just a feel. Like you say, there's a feel there that... My horse will feel like your horse in certain aspects. Your horse will feel like my horse in certain aspects. And then you're like, oh, Hell, this is okay. All right, I got it now. Man. And you know, I think I never really got to ride one like that. Somebody just said, "Here you go, ride this horse." I, I, those horses came to me. Yeah. Luckily enough, they came to me, and they taught me more than I ever taught them. Isn't that crazy? No doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not a very good horse trainer by any means. I mean, I've gotten, I've picked some good horses, and they've taught me more than anything. I, you know, and it's funny to look back and see those horses that when I started my 21 year old being, you know what I mean? When I started him, what I was trying to teach him to do as opposed to what I try to teach him to do now, you know, yeah. 21 years later, mm. it's like, uh, man, was it, I, was it more or less or just totally different? It's totally different. You yeah. know, in my opinion, it's totally different and it's less. Yeah. It's totally different. And it's less. It's like, so much less. Isn't and it? I don't try to teach them anymore. I try to stay out of their way. Cause you're playing like a longer game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. You know, I mean, I, I try to stay out of their way. And I had an old man one time we were working and I'd kind of started figuring that out in my mind. That, hey, if I'll just get out of this some bucks way and show him the basics and then just ride him and stay out of his way. Mm -hmm. And I get mad at him because he can't spin a hole in the ground when he's a three year old. or He can't ride and run across there and drag it or he miss a cow every once in a while. You know, just stay out of his way. He'll figure it out. And I had an old man tell me one time we were punching cows together. And he said, son, I sure like the way you ride horses. He said, you stay out of their way and you don't mess them up. Yeah. And it really set, I mean, it really meant like once I figured it out, I was like, damn. Yeah. I don't know if he was talking 
smack to me like hey you're dumb you don't know how to train a horse but once i kind of got over the initial shock of him telling me that i'm what the hell you mean i stabbed his way i'm riding this some buck i'm the one teaching him yeah but but i did i and i it set with me i'm like i stabbed this some bucks way he's smart enough and he's talented enough and he's athletic enough if i can just put him in the right spot yeah he'll do the rest and yeah, he'll, he'll just get out of his way yeah and don't get mad at him because he doesn't do it yeah, now. that's it. And it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I mean, it's all, everything nowadays, everybody wants it now. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. Now. Like, go to the convenience store and you can get a can of dog food. Go to the convenience store and you can get a soda pop. Go to the convenience store and you can get a lottery ticket. You yeah. can get a, be a millionaire. You know, it just don't happen like that. You got to work at it. You got to grind at it. You got to mm-hmm. figure it out. And now isn't the best. I mean, it's no. not. I mean, if you, you can get satisfied like now. Yeah. I mean, what? What's next? What's next? Yeah, I mean, like, voila, you yeah, got like, it all and you're done. Huh. So, like, my well, I was going I mean, like, what are we going to do now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, hell, I already I, got it. Thanks for listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin and Brendan O'Reilly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Go Time Ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com.